0: Thing, 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 podcast. podcast.
1: them mommy collect them don't let them get away mommy
0: collect them all
1: Hey Phantomaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop, culture, dorkery. I'm your host, Dave, and it's a little weird to record an intro without that familiar theme music playing for the first few seconds. I've I've done it a few times, but for most of our two hundred and eighty-seven episodes. Uh, exactly thirty five seconds into that theme music, my voice kicks in, and I usually have the that energy to sort of get me pumped up and going. This was something a little different and and I hope everybody recognizes the homage that preceded my my little talkie talk here because today 's episode is something that i 'm very excited about i 've been listening to the seeking human victims podcast. For a an entire season of that show, which I highly recommend, of course, they covered Friday the 13th movies, and it's been a great listen. They do a deep dive into everything about the Friday the 13th films, each individual film. It's, it's uh, a total of 9, 10, 11, 11, episodes, I believe, or 10 episodes and a bonus episode, if you will. And it's, it's great, it's fascinating, and after listening to that, I wanted to have Reverend Dan Wilson, one of the hosts of the show, the, the, the man behind the show, so to speak, I wanted to have him on the Needless Things podcast and, and record almost a sort of companion piece because one of the aspects of Friday the 13th that Seeking Human Victims didn't really get into are the toys. There are tons and tons of Jason Voorhees toys, and I wanted to take a look at the history of Jason in plastic, or Jason goes to shelves, so to speak. Uh, and I thought it would be really cool to have Dan on, after you know they had completed their long summer at Camp Blood, to talk about... Jason Voorhees action figures and it ended up being a great idea because there's tons of them and we we don't cover every single one because there's no way we could have and kept this show at a reasonable length but we hit on all the major manufacturers that have produced Jason action figures uh and and we just really have a great conversation about jason's history in plastic it was a lot of fun talking to the rev about this topic Uh, it's something that's near and dear to both of us and i think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode uh and the timing on it really is good because not only did seeking human victims which by the way go subscribe now not only did they wrap up their long summer at camp blood recently but naka uh, essentially has wrapped up their long decade of merchandising because, and we get into this in the, uh, the actual conversation, Dan kind of explains what's going on with it, but for now, the Friday the 13th license is sort of on hiatus. Nothing new will be produced until details of a lawsuit can be worked out. And uh, like I said, keep listening because uh, Dan gets into that and explains the situation. Uh in other news, before we get into the meat of this episode, so to speak, uh there are a couple things I want to talk about. Uh first of all, I want to congratulate Death's Kiss Designs for winning Our Cardinal Copia Giveaway Contest, the second Needless Things giveaway of the Halloween season. Uh, Please do follow Needless Things on Instagram. Join the Needless Things podcast Facebook group, and you too could win fabulous prizes and Needless Things gift bags for the spooky season. Uh, so Death's Kiss Designs is our big winner for the Cardinal Copia gift bag. And they managed to use all of those crazy hashtags as well. So it was delightful for me seeing uh, uh, the reposted image of you know last week's episode, which was the trick-or-treat Needless Commentary. If you missed it, go back and listen. Uh, but it was great seeing those hashtags, uh, Needless Giveaway 2, cum puns and ho posting so excellent job death's kiss designs everybody get on instagram and give them a follow and uh, i'm actually getting ready to bag up your goodies right now Uh, as soon as I'm done putting this episode together. So there you go. And also I did another instant giveaway yesterday where all you had to do was repost an image from Needless Things on Instagram. And uh, I'm a little surprised at the number of people who don't know how to repost images. Uh, it's, It's pretty simple, you guys. Take a screenshot of the image and then repost it and just tag needless things or use hashtags or whatever it is you got to do. But it's it's not complicated. It really isn't. Uh, and then if you want to get fancier about it, you can get an app like Regran, that's R-E-G-R-A-N-N, that will repost things for you. You don't even have to take a screenshot. But yeah, they, it's, it's simple, you guys. It's really easy. Uh, and, and you get free stuff for doing it. So let's get on that. Maybe I'll try a different kind of uh, giveaway i i always kind of liked the instagram ones but maybe that's a little too complex for your average needless things listener i love you guys i'm sorry uh moving right along we are over halfway through the spooky season now halloween is right around the corner and I, I kind of struggled a little bit with what next week's episode was going to be. And I will talk about that in the intro for next week's episode. But I've settled on it. It's something really special that I'm happy about. And uh, I, I think everybody will love it. It's, it's definitely going to be uh, something that people will be thrilled to, to hear a good conversation about. So that's, that's coming up next week. And as far as this week goes, lots of spooky toys are hitting stores I just got my new nightmare retro cloth Freddy Krueger I found it in a couple of uh, retail locations which is generally where I prefer to buy my toys if I can Uh, FYE is a great resource uh, resource for toys But their prices tend to be a little high sometimes insanely high a good example of that is the marvel legends first appearance wolverine set that includes a hulk figure that retails for around 60 bucks which is pretty high in the first place and fye is selling for 89.99 it's insane But, uh, sometimes you find stuff in there that maybe you'd have a little harder time finding somewhere else, or you don't want to take a chance on Amazon fucking it up in their little bubble envelopes that they like to send things in, uh... Or, or whatever the case, and sometimes the price isn't that crazy. But this new Freddy, uh, th- it was 35 I found it one place for 35 one place for 40 And I just felt like that's a little too much for these retro cloths, even though this one is probably the best one they've done. And it was a must-have for me. But uh, I did a little poking around online. It looked like Amazon was going to be my best resource. So I took a chance. And sure enough, uh, the bubble is smooshed since these are figures that I typically display with their gorgeous packaging art, I have them all pinned up uh, near a stairwell in the Phantom Zone, but this figure is so good, I kind of wanted to open it anyway. So what I might do is open this one and uh, maybe keep an eye out at retail and try and get one that the fucking idiots at Amazon didn't smush. And that's... That may well be... No, that was off the air. Uh, the Reverend Dan and I had a little conversation about Amazon as well, but I think that was after we stopped the tape, uh, so to speak. So, yeah, keep an eye out for the spooky toys. Uh, hopefully you guys have all found the Universal Monsters Bendhams at Walgreens now. Uh, I've, I've seen them a few times, and they're usually pretty stocked up in their own little section. But also, Walgreens already seems to be shrinking their Halloween sections, and it's not even Halloween yet, so I don't quite understand what's going on there but uh at least christmas isn't showing up in walgreens yet not that i've seen anyway uh the other thing that's not showing up in walgreens are the emma frost and danny moonstar marvel legends but uh you know we're in georgia things seem to take a whole lot longer to get here and with that i think that's really about all i had nothing too exciting going on this week we're kind of like i said just in the middle of the spooky season sitting back enjoying it watching some spooky movies uh, i still need to show the missus three from hell i just finished watching the first nightmare on elm street and uh, i am keeping track of not just all of the horror movies i watched during the spooky season but uh, all of the movies i am watching through 2019 i'm i'm sure i'm gonna miss a few here and there because i'll watch something and uh it might be a couple of days before I post. Maybe I forget to post. Maybe I watch something else. But for the most part, I'm keeping a pretty accurate log of just basic thoughts. I'm not doing full reviews of every movie, but just my my initial thoughts after the credits start rolling, and I'll uh, post that up on Facebook. Uh, and if if uh, I, I have reduced my Facebook profile, but uh, if we are friends on there, you can check that out. And maybe I'll publish it in some more public format. Uh, at some point in the future towards the end of the year as a special feature somewhere but anyway it's time now to take a look at the last 20 plus years but not by much of jason Voorhees action figures and we actually hit on a couple of uh, non-jason friday the 13th figures as well because believe it or not there are some so sit back relax uh Have some premarital sex, smoke a doob, drink some alcohol, do whatever nasty thing you need to do because uh, Jason's not going to be coming after you today because he's all tied up in legal battles. So enjoy your sinful activities while he's uh, too busy in legal embattlements to come after you. Oh, Phantomaniacs, what an undertaking we have for you this week on the Needless Things podcast. Uh, I had a massive amount of homework to do, and and you know me, I'm not going to do all that kind of stuff all by myself. So I, I needed to find a partner in crime to help me out with this one. And who better than our old pal, the Reverend Dan Wilson, to come back to the show and help me out? talking about Jason Voorhees' action figures. Rev, welcome back.
0: ha! <laughs> the spooky season abounds, and it's a perfect time to be back on the Needless Things podcast. Thank you for having me, Phantom. Uh, always a pleasure to be here on the program, and I love talking about Friday the 13th and anything to do with it.
1: And I know that you do, and actually your your show, Seeking Human Victims, is the inspiration for this episode because you guys a, a while ago now actually a few weeks ago completed an entire season looking at the friday the 13th franchise uh you want to talk a little bit about that
0: sure thanks for the plug always appreciated i'm sure a lot of the needless things listeners remember me from professional wrestling and my near 20 year career there a lot of them from dragon con i'm sure uh, but I retired from wrestling a year ago and decided to pursue some other creative endeavors, one of which was starting a small production company where I'm trying to teach myself how to make short films and write and do all of this other stuff related to horror But one thing that I knew right out of the gate without a lot of training, because I already had the experience that I could do, was a horror podcast. And I I thought it would be a pretty high-quality podcast. So we launched Seeking Human Victims about a year ago. And we will break down a theme each season. And I like to do it almost as if I'm writing a college thesis paper on the subject and then we watch the movie and I sit around a round table with my friends and we discuss it as I go through the facts and the history of the topic at hand. And as you mentioned, one of those seasons was Friday the 13th and we learned so much about the franchise that I did not know, a lot of which I, I can share some tidbits here on this episode as it relates to the toys that we talk about. Uh, but, yeah, and, and that's what I've been up to. The current season we're looking at is called A Decade of Death. There's a new episode every Monday. We're on every major podcast provider. Just type in Seeking Human Victims. Uh, the current season, A Decade of Death, is about what we consider some of our favorite films of the last decade. Basically, every member of the staff picked two films that they thought were two at least of their favorite films that they wanted to talk about, and that's where we're going now. And then in January, we start our next season, Season 5, which will be going through the Universal Monsters catalog.
1: Oh, fantastic. I look forward to that, man. I'm uh, Where I'm at right now, because I'm a little late to the game, uh, I'm in the middle of the special bonus episode about Fred, uh, Freddy versus Jason right now.
0: Oh, excellent. Yeah, so, that was... It was a lot of fun.
1: I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it, and uh, i gotta, I got to take this opportunity right now, one, to put the show over. It's, it's really great, and uh, your your excellent research skills are a part of why you're here tonight. I really enjoy all the facts that you guys dig up and, and the deep dive into everything about the movies, but I've got to give a shout-out. Uh, you, you have a great crew over there. I get a big chuckle out of Annie at least once an episode, usually more, but Muji is the man. Shout out to Muji. He is my hero. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he'll certainly appreciate that. I don't think he thinks he has any fans as the uh, the more critical voice of the program.
1: No, he definitely does. I, I would actually like to get uh, Muji and, and our own Arian together uh, at some point for a needless commentary, but it might create this black hole of negativity that would just swallow up the earth.
0: <laughs> well, he he would actually be a good guest for needless things. He's actually quite a toy connoisseur. Oh,
1: nice, nice. I'll have to get in touch with him. But tonight, tonight we are taking a look at uh Jason Voorhees action figures through the years, which it's funny because, you know, the franchise has been around since 1980, but it took a little while before action figures uh of Jason or really of any horror characters it, became a thing there were freddy toys from time to time in the 80s that were dreadfully inappropriate for the kiddies back then uh but jason in in sitting down and looking at the history because i've got tons of jason figures on the shelf but i kind of i've never really put a whole lot of thought into what came out when and and uh You know, I know which companies have produced them, but I don't know who made everything. Did anybody hit all the movies? Because the license changes hands so much. I mean, let's face it, uh, the Friday the 13th license is kind of like the town bicycle. Everybody's (laughs) had a ride on that thing, and they might as well call him Jason Horhees at this point because everybody's made this stuff. But, as far as action figures go, it's a little more limited. Now... In looking, it seems to me that the McFarlane Toys Movie Maniacs Jason uh, was the first figure to hit. Is that kind of what you found in, in looking around online?
0: Yeah, as far as posable action figures that you could actually do something with, it is absolutely the first thing. there. I've seen uh, here and there some rumblings that there was some sort of mail order model kit that you could order slightly before that that you had to actually like put together and paint. So it wouldn't have been a true action figure in that sense of the word, but that would be sort of maybe the precursor to it. And that's the first and uh, the only Jason toy I still own to this day is the Movie Maniacs figure, which I had in the package for many, many years, but I finally had to cave and open it because I wanted to play with all of those damned accessories. <laughs>
1: Well, and you know what? I'm going to throw a warning out there, not just to you, but to our listeners. Uh, Secondary market prices on most of what we're about to discuss are astronomical. So if you're prone to getting that action figure itch, it might be best to stop right now. Choose another Friday the 13th themed Needless Things episode or go check out The Long Summer at Camp Blood on Seeking Human Victims. That's our warning for the show. (laughs) other shows may warn about violent or profane content, we will warn you that we might make you want to go spend money you don't need to spend on action figures.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I do want to talk about that first movie, Maniacs, Jason, because I'm holding it in my hand as we speak. Um, It is a companion at my desk every day to give me motivation to get through the day. And, um, you know, it's not the best Jason figure by any stretch of the imagination that I've seen. And it's, it's clearly supposed to be about Jason goes to hell, Jason, but it's, it's kind of an amalgam of several because he has like the spear from part six. Uh, and then the logo on the actual package is the original Friday the 13th logo, but they all came with these little posters that would stand up behind them to represent their film. And Jason's is of Jason's, Jason goes to hell. So it's like the one of those figures where the movie on the poster doesn't match what's on the box. And that's even more odd because of the whole New Line Cinema relationship, because right after Jason takes Manhattan did so poorly at the box office, New Line Cinema bought the rights, uh, from Paramount. To then purchase or to then make Jason movies, so but they couldn't call them Friday the Thirteenth movies. So it's interesting to me that this piece of merchandise has both Friday the Thirteenth and the Jason does what have you that New Line had to abide by.
1: Yeah, it's bizarre to to have seen that because a lot of times you know even in modern times, uh, and, and it's really weird to me to think that 1998 is not modern times and hasn't been for a long time. Uh, you know, even now you'll see weird stuff like those Funko, uh, He-Man style horror figures, the Savage World stuff. Uh, the, the pinhead one is Hellraiser three. What? Why? Why is it (laughs) Hellraiser? It's not even, it's not even pinhead from a movie, but on the packaging, it's Hellraiser three. And it's because certain films from certain series, have different licensing arrangements, and sometimes it's cheaper to do a specific thing. So it's even more bizarre that, like you said, that McFarlane Jason is representing Jason Goes to Hell and Friday the 13th, and I didn't know that. Um, I knew that the the movies had moved from Paramount to New Line, but until I was listening to your show, I didn't realize that it was specifically the character of Jason that New Line
0: uh, was able to use, and that's why those aren't Friday the 13th movies. Yep, that is a fact. And it's interesting that you mention that about the licensing for Hellraiser 3, because I have a feeling that Halloween Resurrection is in that same boat, because yes. there is an astronomically lopsided amount <laughs> of Halloween Resurrection merchandise compared especially to how much people hate that movie.
1: It, it, it's funny, because you you know when you're looking at something like Naka's action figure lines they're depicting very specific representations of these characters. So typically, it's the specific movie. But if you see something that's more general, like you go into Spirit Halloween and they've got kind of a generic Jason mask or it's just a a, a Camp Crystal Lake sign, if there's a licensing mark, it's usually like whatever the cheapest movie is to license that they could just throw on there.
0: (laughs) That's fascinating.
1: (laughs) So... Uh, McFarlane, at this point, were really the only players in the horror action figure game. Uh, NACA wouldn't come al- uh, along until a couple years later in 2000. So we get a few Jason figures from McFarlane. And what we've got to remember, you mentioned that this is, you know, while this may be a Jason Goes to Hell figure, the figure itself is kind of an amalgamation of of. It's almost like somebody sat down and thought, what does Jason look like? And just kind of did it without any reference, which yes. is, you know, for years, that's what action figures were. If you think back to your first Star Wars toys, like they don't look like that in the movie. They They oh. just kind of threw something out there that looked like Luke some.
0: Like, blue eyes, chili bowl cut, little shaggy looks great.
1: You're right, and that's, this this Jason and, and really the first wave, first couple of series of Movie Maniacs were kind of along the same line, and like you said, this Jason's historic, I like looking at him, He he is kind of a weird, you know, in this day and age, we're used to our movie accurate with all the right props, and he's got the bullet holes in the right place on his shirt and all that kind of stuff. But back then, they just wanted to make a cool-looking action figure, and I think they did it with this Jason.
0: We were just happy to have it, and and yeah, I think they did. Uh, And another interesting fact about this figure, and I've never done it to mine, but that mask can actually be taken off. Um, it's, It's, of course, glued on there with adhesive, but there is like a face sculpt underneath that a guy I knew that owned an action figure resale shop had bought two of them and was selling one as the unmasked version.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I actually do remember there was a, because there would be, you know, within the McFarlane line, there would be paint errors. There would be running changes. uh, And sometimes there would actually be later on variant figures. They made two different versions uh, of the tooth fairy, there were packaging variants. And I remember a rumor that there was an unmasked Jason out there, but that's all it was is what you said. People were pulling the mask off with, you know, just removing the adhesive on it and taking it off. Uh, so around the same time, and this is where I kind of had to do my first bit of research, uh, because I wasn't sure what came first. There's also there's another jason that was exclusive to spencer gifts and i can't even really find who the manufacturer was for this thing but uh do you remember the big sort of plush dolls with plastic heads that uh spencer gifts they're about 16 inches tall probably and oh yeah uh, if you hang on just a second let me see if i can get this to to do something
0: Was that audible at all? Yes. <laughs> I <laughs> could hear a little ki ki ma, ma, ma.
1: Yes, I cannot believe this little guy still works. Uh, I have a little story behind him. He came out in 99, as far as I can tell. Uh, and he was part of a line. They came in these big, nice-looking window boxes, and they had Ghostface and Freddy and Leatherface and Michael Myers and a Crypt Keeper, even. And... They are wire armatures with plush bodies and then plastic heads, hands, and feet that are all like pretty detailed sculpts for the time for this sort of thing uh they've got fabric clothes, and I worked in the mall at the time, and I'd go to Spencer all the time and just look at these things and I don't remember what the price point was. I'm sure they were like twenty five thirty bucks something like that like they were a little more than I wanted to spend on them and I ended up getting to be buddies with a Spencer guy, and he went nuts one day and gave us, uh, gave me and my girlfriend at the time his employee discount on a shit ton of stuff. So I ended up with every single one of those dolls, and I've got this Jason right here in my hands, obviously, with his little tiny, do you remember his little tiny machete?
0: I I vaguely, yes, because I do absolutely remember that line of figures. I also had a buddy that worked at Spencer Gifts and also let me use his employee discount, (laughs) but he got fired for it. (laughs) Um.
1: Hopefully this guy did not, but uh, yeah, he comes with this little tiny machete that's, that's about a third the size it should be for a figure this big, but again... You know, it's one of those things where you're just happy to have this weird Jason figure that makes the the traditional Jason noise and has this strange little doll machete. But it's, it's a great collector piece. You can still go online and get these for a pretty reasonable price because, you know, if you were at Spencer right before the turn of the century, you'd remember these things, and they had hundreds of them. There was generally like half a wall of the store was these figures. So I don't know what the production numbers were, but uh, they're still pretty readily available.
0: It was a pretty interesting sign that we were in the midst of a pretty big horror boom around that time, that it didn't, I don't know if we it really felt like it at the time, but you look back on hindsight and that's really the first time was that late nineties era where you recall seeing any kind of merchandise for these cult films in stores. Now, it was still a niche store like Spencer Gifts, so it's not like they're in the Walmart like they are today, but at the time, that was a pretty huge step towards crossing horror over into the mainstream.
1: Well, and I give McFarlane Toys really most of the credit for that because they launched that spawn line a couple years prior to Movie Maniacs, and he managed to get into all those major retailers with those spawn action figures that were really niche comics at the time. Granted, they were image comics, and then that was a big deal, but not to mainstream America, really. And he showed your Walmarts and your Targets and your Kmarts that these kinds of toys could make them money because really that's all that matters
0: is you show somebody
1: that you can make them money and they will help you all they can
0: yeah absolutely it's the one thing that speaks all languages uh and in this case it, it helped horror transition over, and I think you're right. I think McFarlane is a lot to thank for that. Even though, right. when you talk about the movie Maniacs, the uh, figures, not to step back, but Walmart, if you recall, had their own separate versions. They did not allow them to sell the bloody figures. Right. I actually got a leather face from the Walmart with a perfectly clean smock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was,
1: that was a big thing, was there were two different versions Of these figures, and actually I wish I'd thought about that before because I'd be interested in seeing what the price differential is because I believe the bloody ones were sort of the easier-to-find standards that specialty stores and other places carried, uh, while Walmart, I feel like, was the only retailer that would only carry the clean ones. And I wonder if maybe the clean versions might fetch a little higher price these days. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that at all. Uh, so
1: McFarlane released a few more Jasons over the years Uh, we got a Jason X from them in Movie Maniac Series 5 that uh, is it's a little more screen accurate than the the supposed Jason goes to hell Jason but still very much a a product of it's time it comes with the, the space machete but it's not quite right but it's a cool figure and it's one of the only Jason, it's one of the only Uber Jason figures that
0: we have. It's a very cool figure. You know, I saw that figure on clearance one time for, like, $3. And at the time, I still had not accepted Jason X as I have today. (laughs) So I was like, $3 is still a (laughs) ripoff. Fuck that movie. And now, of course, I love Jason X as I've gained some age and seasoning and wisdom. But, uh, yeah, stupid things kids do, huh?
1: Well, it's (laughs) funny to look back at the stuff, like, when I was younger the things that I, I was like, oh, that's stupid, I don't like that, and now as I'm older, I'm like, well, yeah, it's stupid, but that's kind of what makes it great.
0: Indeed, that's, uh, <laughs> that there's a lot of horror that that rule applies to.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. I, I remember not liking any of the Silent Night, Deadly Night movies when I was younger because they were just too dumb, and now I think they're fucking fantastic.
0: Yeah, masterpieces. It's what I like to affectionately call Halloween 3 syndrome, or maybe for more appropriately yes. for this episode, Friday the 13th part 5 syndrome. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: And I, I am a uh, Halloween three I, ne- 3, I never had the hate for as much because I just was never as attached to Michael. But I definitely have only come around on uh, part 5 in the last couple of years here, like where you realize. As far as the themes of Friday the 13th go, the gore and the violence and the titties and everything, it's one of the best examples.
0: It's just brazen. It's a brazen smut fest that wallers around in its own filth, and I love it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we get a Jason X figure from McFarlane, and that pretty much brings them out of the game in an interesting. Uh, side note. Now, we did have a couple of different variations of that Jason Goes to Hell. Jason, uh, they did a Freddy versus Jason 2-pack that wasn't actually based on Freddy versus Jason because that movie wouldn't happen for a few more years. But McFarlane was like, let's stick these two figures in a pack together and these horror nerds are going to buy it up like crazy because everybody wants to see that movie so bad. There were a couple of variations of that that had... Uh, different bases and they came in those cool plastic fish tanks do you remember those things yes they, they were some of the coolest collector oriented uh, packaging metho- methods that I've seen to this day I've still got a big stack of those things because those speaking of you know McFarland toys going on clearance uh, if you kept your eye on Suncoast those fish tanks took up a lot of shelf space, and Suncoast wanted to get them the fuck out as fast as possible.
0: That's uh, excellent. <laughs> so we had a
1: weird sidetrack with the license in 2003. While McFarland still had it, NACA released an 18-inch tall motion-activated Part 7 Jason. Uh, which, again, if you'll bear with me for just a second. Oh, man, he's not going to work now. (laughs) I just put fresh batteries in this. All right, that's enough of that. So I just put fresh batteries in this guy, and and he made this little clicking noise a couple of times. I was like, ah, fuck, because I figured, I thought for sure I was going to open up the battery panel, and there was just going to be corrosion all (laughs) up in that thing, and uh, it was clean. I put some fresh batteries in. He's good to go. I still don't quite know where the sound sensor is to get him to work, but... This is an absolutely gorgeous figure. Did you find this thing in your research?
0: I did see some pictures of that one, and I was very envious of it because the Part 7 Jason is my absolute favorite design. I think John Carl Beekler, rest his soul, just did an amazing job. On the decaying, rotting Jason where you can see like his ribs coming through. And he's just got this hideous face when the mask gets pulled off. And he's all soggy and goopy the whole time. And uh, it's just, it's it's the coolest, nastiest, scariest looking Jason for my money. So any representation of that in action figure form I'm going to be a fan of. And there's surprisingly not that many.
1: Yeah, it's a shame, and we'll get to this a little bit later in the show, uh, that Naka didn't get any, or hasn't gotten any, well, there's still hope, hasn't gotten any further than they did, but this was their first entry into the Jason Voorhees action figure line, and I'm assuming it's because it's a different scale, because McFarlane produced 18-inch figures of other horror characters, but... I assume something happened with the license where they weren't able to make a large scale Jason, and Naka jumped in there and, you know, wanted to get this in that McFarlane style strike while that, that sort of 18 inch figure thing was going on and outdid the McFarlane figures in every way. I mean, this thing is absolutely incredible. The sculpt and the detail. He has a. Uh, His shirt is actually a separate rubber piece, so you can see his ribs and his spine and everything through the shirt. Uh, He has an actual metal chain around his neck. He has a removable mask with that gorgeous Part 7 skull face underneath that actually doesn't seem to line up with any human anatomy I've ever seen. (laughs) But but who cares, because it looks badass, uh it's it's a fantastic figure and like as you heard that sound effect is nice and loud and clear it's good stuff man.
0: Yeah, then that's a testament to the quality of the toy I think as well that it's held up this long.
1: Yeah, and that it lo- I mean it looks when you compare it to the other sort of 2003 era items uh it really does show that Neca was a step ahead of the game at that time. Uh, but it it came with a removable mask, a machete, an axe, and a harpoon, and uh, they they loved throwing that harpoon in with these, no matter which Jason it was. And <laughs> and, and as I noted here, forest noises sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 2004 saw the release of McFarlane's Last Figure, the aforementioned Jason X, and 2005 is when Daneka, is when uh, NAKA really got into the Jason business the first time with their Cult Classics series. And they had a couple of very interesting choices for those first two Cult Classics figures that they released. They did a Part 7 and a Part 2. Uh, the Part 7 is just a smaller version of this one, basically, but the Part 2 was a great choice for Neka.
0: And also another one of the coolest Jason designs, in my opinion. I, I personally think part two is maybe the scariest of all of the Friday the 13th films, just because of the creepy inbred nature of Baghead Jason. And, and I agree. I think that's just a, an excellent choice for an action figure. And, uh, of course, it wouldn't be the last part two that NECA would put out, but a great way to, to launch it, as you said. And I
1: think it was smart to do... One that, and granted, we're pretty early into the production of Jason action figures, but I admire that Naka was like, you know what? We've got this license for this limited time. We're still finding our way in this world of horror action figures because by this time, Neca's penhead line was kind of the biggest thing that they'd done. Penhead line, Hellraiser line, pardon me. Uh, their Hellraiser line was kind of the thing that they've gotten the most notoriety for and we're still just sort of starting to branch out into other things with that cult classics line. So I think it was really cool that they uh, almost took a chance by doing Baghead Jason.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And then, this is one that we're not going to get too deep into, but we have to mention because... This is the only company that produced a Jason from every movie, and I'm actually double-checking my notes here because I'm trying to remember if they actually did a Part 8 Jason, Uh, but Sideshow Collectibles gets the license and in a single year releases a Jason from every fucking movie.
0: Wow! See, this is the part I was the most interested in, this it's the least amount I could find on my research, and I know you had the scoop. So, yeah, what what is the deal with the Sideshow Collectibles?
1: So, Sideshow Collectibles, okay, and I'm looking here, I've I've actually got pictures of every single one of their releases, that it was a pain in the ass, because Sideshow Collectibles has, for years, had one of the leading-edge websites as far as collectible toys go, but their archives are for some reason missing their Jason figures. So I had to go to a bunch of different places online to even find what had been released, let alone find pictures of them. But I think I've got a complete list now, uh, and they did not release a Part 8 Jason, which means that is the only Jason Voorhees that has not been represented in action figure form.
0: The elusive white whale Manhattan Jason. <laughs> uh
1: and I look, I'm not gonna lie, if they wanted to do a uh, you know, just pre toxic waste uh drowning Jason figure with that insane head that's even crazier than the part seven head. Uh I'd go for it. Why not?
0: Uh, I know NACA had plans to do seven and eight, I think, were the next two that they were going to do before they ran into all of the copyright issues with the current lawsuit.
1: Yeah, if for the listeners, actually, Dan, why don't you, for the listeners, why don't you say what's going on right now and why we're not going to see stuff for a little while.
0: It's going to be a long while, likely. Um, We probably won't even know for sure how long until May of 2020. I think that's when the last of the the court cases uh, wrap up for now, and that's unless it goes to the Supreme Court, then it's going to be even longer. Um, But currently, Victor Miller, the original writer of the Friday the 13th, 1980 script, is suing Sean Cunningham, the director of the original film and subsequent owner of the property and his company, Horror Inc., for rights to the ownership of the franchise. And it's due to a copyright termination act that went into effect recently that states, after so many years, uh, original creators can get the rights to their works back. It's, It's to prevent... Writers from being screwed over by major studios, essentially. But there's a lot of contention in this, because while Victor Miller crafted the original story about Mrs. Voorhees and the the murders on Friday the 13th at Crystal Lake, the Jason character was a bit of an add-on last minute. As a matter of fact, in the script, his name was Josh. And even the part about him coming back at the end was not in the original script. So he was literally just a small piece of the backstory. But all of this merchandising came from the franchise, of which, by that law, Victor Miller is technically a legal right holder to. And so that's been tangled up in a huge legal mess uh, with Miller and Cunningham at each other in court and you can actually get the best updates on that by following actor Larry Zerner, who played Shelley in Part 3. Believe it or not, he is a renowned entertainment lawyer now and is not involved in the lawsuit in any way, but he regularly posts the most up-to-date news on that and also kind of deciphers it for the layperson who doesn't really understand legal terms.
1: I love that he owns that role and like is still into it and like interacting with the fandom like it's so cool to me because you know a lot of the people who are in these horror movies are kind of like i didn't realize what a piece of shit this was going to be don't talk to me about it i love it when these guys are like no i was in it it's great let me tell you about it
0: And more and more that's happened over the years. Betsy Palmer was certainly one of those people for years, but then later in her life, I guess the convention appearance fees started going up, maybe, and she had nicer things to say about them.
1: Which, by the way, uh, shout-out to NACA for releasing not one, not two, but three Betsy Palmer, or uh, Pamela Voorhees action figures. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's... uh, you got to say something about that, because... Really, for horror figures, we don't get a lot of other characters in the universe, right? We mainly get the killer. Dan, um, we're they've... never
1: going to get a Paul Rudd from Halloween 6, are we?
0: At this rate, no. <laughs> Long way away.
1: <laughs> That's okay. I'll just have him hang out with my Ant-Man figure. <laughs> so, to to get into Sideshow and what they did in their one year with this license, uh, from what I saw... They did not do Boy Jason from part one. And to date, uh, Neca is the only company... Or no, I take that back. Uh, Mezco did a sort of diorama of Alice in the boat with Boy Jason popping out. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, and Naka, uh released his part of their retro cloth line, which is one of my favorite action figure lines going right now. Uh, they did a, a Boy Jason with Pamela Voorhees' uh, two-pack that was a convention exclusive. So those are the only Ari Lehman Jasons. Those are the only first Jasons, uh, if you will, that we've got. And sadly, they do not include keytars. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) So uh, what Sideshow did is they they have... uh, They did each movie, and except for part three... There are two different versions of each figure. Part 2 had an exclusive that came with Pamela's head. Part 4 had an exclusive that came with a head with the uh, hatchet stuck in it. There'd be like one exclusive item, and that was the Sideshow. If you ordered it direct from Sideshow, you'd get that exclusive item. And the best of those was Part 6. The exclusive item was a severed arm with a machete in it that Jason could hold. Uh, recreating that specific scene from the movie. But uh, these are all detailed to look, you know, the the costumes are accurate, the, the heads, the masks come off. Like, they all are very screen accurate as far as the fabric and the mask and the weapons and everything go. The only issue I really have with them is that they're on sort of a standard 12-inch action figure body, like a G.I. Joe body, so jason looks a little slim sometimes i've got the only one of these that i have is the one from jason x and it's not uber jason it's just the regular jason from jason x uh and it's a you know it's a great looking figure he's got his little suede jacket uh again it's metal chains uh around his neck he's got the manacle or uh the the cuffs and chains on his arms uh fully posable these are you know, I said G.I. Joe body, but the, side, the standard Sideshow male body has shit tons of articulation. It's basically like a Marvel Legends figure. Uh, and then that mask comes up to reveal uh, what actually is a pretty standard-looking Jason face. It's not outrageous like the, the Jasons in the movies that preceded Jason X. Uh, it's, it's really almost like a Part 3 head. Uh, and, and we never, I don't believe we see his face in Jason X, do we?
0: You do uh, not not completely unmasked, but it is a unique design in that, you know, in most of the movies leading up to that, he's progressively rotting. And so he's kind of getting more and more undead with each movie. And in Jason X, when he's just regular Jason prior to the whole Uber Jason stuff. It's really the one that looks just the most like Kane Hodder with a mask on. There's very little in the way of prosthesis and stuff. I mean, there's definitely stuff there. Yeah, he does. He almost has like a little mullet, or at least a starter mullet.
1: And now that I'm looking at this, this isn't the right head for this at all. I wonder if I'm not the victim of a little swapski here. This is... (laughs) This is so inaccurate because I bought this at a convention because I had always been kicking myself for not buying any of the side. No, this is accurate. This is the head that came on this figure. So, sideshow little boo boo on sideshow's part not doing a screen accurate uh, fuzzy cane hotter head on this guy. He should he should have the head like the old school GI Joes with the the real hair. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: shenanigans uncovered
1: (laughs) but uh we got part two part three part four uh six seven so they did all the jasons but they also excluded roy there is no roy figure from this line uh and i do believe naka's recent release is the only roy figure that we've gotten
0: I think so Uh, roy has pretty much been they kind of tried to erase him from continuity for a while because the reaction to that movie was so bad initially but of course over time we have learned to appreciate roy and he's made his way into a video game and now finally got a sweet figure
1: uh so yeah and they did they even did uh the remake uh from sideshow and it's a it's a bigger buck it's a little bulkier figure it looks pretty good i don't have that one But, uh, yeah, uh, kudos to Sideshow for executing as many of these Jasons as they could in a year. That's crazy to me. Uh, But they were a direct market at the time. Like, there were specialty retailers that carried their product, but I think the bulk of their sales came from direct online sales. I know uh, I was collecting their Buffy the Vampire Slayer line at the time, and uh, it was, one, they were a hell of a lot cheaper than they are now, and uh two, it was just nice to be able to just pre order the figure and know it was gonna come and not have to go through the hassle of finding something in a store,
0: which now I miss. <laughs> yeah, a different world, uh for sure. But that's really good to know. I, I was really unfamiliar with that line and very cool to know that they churned all of that out so quickly, but we still get eluded that Manhattan Jason.
1: Yeah, that's crazy that that hasn't happened. Uh, But we do have to move on now to our next big company in the timeline of Jason action figures. And that is Mezco, who in this day and age are known for all kinds of different scales and styles of horror action figures, as well as their incredible 112 collective line, which there is a Jason from that line as well that we'll talk about in a minute Uh, But first, we have to talk about Mezco's Cinema of Fear. Now, this was an interesting line to me. I never bought any of these. This is all, you know, action figure collecting, really any kind of collecting is a lot about personal preference. And we like different styles of things. We like things to look different ways. Some of us like 100% screen accurate. Some of us might like sort of cartoon-based stuff or other interpretations of the characters that we love. And Mezco's Cinema of Fear went for almost a caricature form of the characters that they produced. Did you come across these things as you were looking around online?
0: Yeah, and I was actually going back to some pictures of them to try to remember what they looked like cuz I definitely had them listed and I agree you can the faces are all extremely like over exaggerated almost in every way. Yeah, I
1: as much as I love some of what Mezco has done, I think I think what it is for me is I love when Mezco does their super realistic stuff like the 112s. And I love when they do their super deformed, like, really wild-looking stuff, like some of the vinyl toys that they've done. Uh, I've actually got a plush Jason from them. It's almost like a smaller version of that Spencer Gifts one, except it has exaggerated hands and feet and a head. Uh, It almost looks like a cartoon Jason, and I like that. But the Cinema of Fear almost feels like it's trying to be a middle ground where... We know we're not going to get these things screen accurate, so we're going to do them in an exaggerated style so you guys don't call us out on it.
0: <laughs> I think that's fair. Though, now, I will say, looking at just what those uh, that line put out, while I don't love the designs on a lot of them in terms of uh, what we discussed, they had some of the most rare character appearances, I think, of any of the lines we're talking about, not really in Friday the 13th necessarily, but it, I'm looking, I see a Chop Top figure, a hitchhiker figure, yes, a yes. fucking cockroach girl from Nightmare on Elm Street 4. I mean, that's that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I, I have a ton of respect for the character. You know, kind of like Nega going with a part two Jason as their second release, I have a ton of respect for what Mezco was going for with their character selection and cinema of fear and honestly looking back at the jasons they released they're really cool looking figures uh, just for me at the time they didn't scratch the itch like i wanted them to but you know now if they didn't cost 150 bucks a piece i would gladly grab their version of part 6 or part 4 like that part the part 4 Jason that they released almost looks like it could be like a wrestling figure from from Jack's Pacific back in the day like it has the that bone
0: crunching action Yes
1: oh my gosh dude if they released a bone crunching action Jason Voorhees I would be all over that shit
0: That you would know, be incredible scene. Yeah, seeing some of the figures in this line, it does make me wish that uh, they really should be more victim figures. Uh, you know, speaking of bone crunching action, you know how cool would it have been to have a figure like that and use that same feature where Jason could pick them up and snap them and you would hear them crunch. I would love to have a figure that was, uh, like so almost like a
1: bendy, like on a wire armature. With that rubbery skin like the bone crunchers, but with like a joint in its abdomen. So like when you did it, it made a cracking noise like Jason was picking them up for a bear hug and just cracking their back or breaking them over his knee Bane style.
0: Yeah, I think they're leaving a lot of money on the table by not giving us victims. (laughs) Well,
1: here's what's going to happen, my friend, is next week somebody's going to launch a Kickstarter based on the idea that you just came up with. And you're going to be like, son of a
0: bitch! (laughs) (laughs) Damn
1: it! Uh, So Mezco had the license uh, for, let me put my pictures away and bring our years back up here, Uh, in 2007... They started including Jason in their Cinema of Fear line, and they did uh, Part 4, Part 6, and then they had a line called Screen Grabs, which is the one that I mentioned before that's sort of a diorama of a particular scene from whatever movie they were uh, portraying, and the one that they did for Friday the 13th is Alice in the Boat, with boy Jason jumping up behind her. And I got to say, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it got the little undersized canoe, uh, the face on the figure. It, it's, it almost looks more like, a, a a carnival prize than an actual collector toy. I love that they went for this. I love that they're portraying this specific moment. Uh, but man, the execution leaves something to be desired. Did you did you catch a glimpse of this thing?
0: I did, and, and yeah, I think that's an issue with everything in this line, almost, is that the ideas are great. I see we also have a Freddy in the worm form, yes. uh, you know, yes. eating, and then we have a leather face opening the door and uh, cracking the dude in the head with the hammer. So, you know, like those iconic scenes and recreating, nobody was doing that at the time, so I, you know, hell yeah on the idea, but like you said, I mean, they really kind of look like fucking Happy Meal toys. <laughs> and, uh,
1: what a world we would live in if those were Happy Meal toys.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's this, this, see, now the expectations are a big thing, because if they were Happy Meal toys, they'd be the greatest thing ever. Right?
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, just lots of cool ideas from, from Mezco, and you're, you're seeing a company, that uh, is finding its way, is figuring out what it wants to do, and that's something that we've been seeing from them over the past decade is them figuring out, like, how much articulation can we get into these figures? How real can we make them? How much paint can we put on them? How many accessories? Like, they've they've really, it's been a fascinating thing. I, I would immediately, if, like, there was a Netflix documentary about Mezco, and their journey as a toy company since the Silent Screamers, which was their first line of horror toys, uh, I'd be fascinated to see that. that. That would be some really good viewing, I bet.
0: Hey, they're really... Uh, I, I'd have to say something like that would be coming soon, given the popularity of collecting. There's been a, a documentaries on VHS collectors. There could be a documentary on the history of MESCO. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, So, during Mezco's time, and uh, I feel like I let myself down here in not getting more pictures of Mezco's product, but uh, they released, uh, I said part four, part six, the screen grab. Uh, They also did a 14-inch plush Jason, which is, I have a term for the, there's a look that Jason has that basically comes from part three where he's in sort of gray pants, the green shirt, it's sort of just a bald head with a hockey mask. I call that generic Jason. Because if you see like a middle of the road Jason figure or something that just says Friday the 13th, because as we all know, in Friday the 13th, there there this wasn't Jason. He's a little boy, a little dead boy at the end. There's no hockey mask, there's nothing. Uh, So if you see that sort of Friday the 13th logo on something, you're probably getting generic Jason, which is pretty much Part 3 Jason.
0: Yeah, I think that's where, you know, when we discussed that in our Friday the 13th Part 3 episode on Seeking Human Victims, that is where the prototypical Jason that became Jason in pop culture comes from.
1: So uh, they did a Jason Goes to Hell Jason that was... Much more Jason Goes to Heli than the McFarlane one that came out, even though he's only in the movie for, you know, a very few minutes. And uh, at some point in the future, we will have a discussion about Jason Goes to Hell, and all of you rating it as the worst. I do not agree.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh But that's okay. You know, I I will have to say, and I don't want to sidetrack the conversation, but I will say that I enjoyed this viewing of Jason Goes to Hell more than any other viewing, and I finally started to gain a little bit of appreciation for it.
1: I mean, it's ridiculous. There's no denying that it's absurd and it doesn't fit anywhere into the continuity, but at the same time, continuity? Continuity? Have you been paying attention to these movies? <laughs> right, like what
0: fucking and, Yeah, but, I, I agree. It's got it's got some redeeming qualities.
1: But as you guys stated, while you were going through the movies, uh, oftentimes you'd have a soft spot for whichever one was the first one you saw in the theater. And for me, that's my soft spot for Jason Goes to Hell because that was the first one I saw in the theater. And my only expectations were, holy shit, I'm seeing a Friday the 13th movie on a big screen, finally. And it's not going to be a a shitty VHS copy that 8,000 other people have watched before I
0: did. (laughs) It's truly a magical moment. It does make an impression.
1: Right, absolutely. Uh, So Mezco moved on. They released a part 7 that was, again, this wonderful, like moist, bony Jason, I guess you'd call him. Uh, that had a metal chain, a soft goods shirt, which is kind of weird because that's not really something they did in the line, but it's essentially just a statue with metal chains and this soft goods shirt. Uh, And then the extra accessory was the mask, because if you remember, uh, during the psychic battle at the end, she splits his mask right in half, and it comes off his big goofy skull-like mad ball face. (laughs) And it actually... I just now realized that's what his fucking head looks like in that movie.
0: Oh, my God, you're right.
1: (laughs) Uh, Which makes me love it even more. Uh, But that's a cool accessory for it to come with, that mask that had been split in half right down the middle, and that's not something we've seen anywhere else, although the Part 7 Jason hasn't really been represented a whole lot of times.
0: No, I love that so much. I didn't realize it came with the splitting mask. That is just f- fucking fantastic.
1: Uh, we got a part three Jason that is, again, sort of generic Jason. Uh, it has a weird sort of hunched shoulder pose going on, but it's it's probably as middle of the road as this line gets as far as just sort of looking like a regular action figure and not anything that's too cartoony or outlandish. Uh, And then they did a 12-inch version and a 7-inch version from the 2009 remake. And those were our last entries from Mezco. And those were both a little more realistic because at the time, uh, Neca had managed to snag the license back. And in 2009, we also got a remake, Jason, from Neca that I actually have sitting right in front of me here. And it's, again, NECA entering back into the world of Friday the 13th. They get the license to do this one figure at the time, and they're still churning out horror figures from other franchises. But a 2009 NECA figure is very different from a 2019 figure in that up until just a few years ago, All of your Neca figures from the waist to the ankles were one solid piece of sculpted plastic. And it looks great, but no knee joints, no hip joints, nothing. And then they're mounted on... This guy, fortunately, has uh, pretty hard plastic feet, but a lot of times they would make the feet out of rubber, which led to something that I call the Neca Lean. (laughs) because those rubber feet sort of got lost their integrity over time and you'd get stuff like NACA released Bubba hotep figures they released a figure of the tall man from phantasm and all these figures are on my shelf with some sort of support because they slowly start to lean forward because peg uh peg joints and rubber feet do not mix but uh this 2009 uh, Jason from NECA is is a nice big chunky figure. It's very sturdy, very solid. Uh he's got great uh hinged swivel arms, his elbows uh were at the time it was exciting for him to have elbows because a lot of the Neca figures still didn't even have elbow joints at this time. But thanks to Mezco and what they had done with their Cinema of Fear, uh, in, in uh, introducing elbow joints into horror action figures and also even wrist joints and stuff. So while Mezco's contributions aren't my favorites, they did introduce some important innovations into horror figures, uh, mostly along the lines of articulation and accessories.
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, Muji's all-time favorite action figure is, that he owns is the, the Mezco 112, Jason. That's one
1: that I have not picked up because as far as the 112 figures, I'm trying to focus very much just on comic book stuff because those, those are a pricey proposition. i don't want to get too far afield of just sticking with the comic book guys so i haven't picked up that jason but uh our our mutual buddy ryan cadaver uh has him in his home and man it's a nice looking figure It's, it's yeah it's probably the best generic jason that's been released
0: I think so. Like, the level of detail on those things just blows me away. He was, like, uh, you know, talking about how he really wanted, like, a Hot Toys figure of some kind. Uh, but, you know, he was looking around. They didn't make them, but he found that. And uh, he got it for Christmas or his birthday or something one year. And, I mean, I, I think he sings that thing lullabies before he gets <laughs> it's, it's, I, it's I believe cool it.
1: <laughs> that, I mean, if... If Mezco makes a 112 figure of a character you love, it's going to be the best version of that character, 100%. Uh, so now we get into Neca's absolute domination of the Friday the 13th franchise. Uh, 2009, they released the remake figure, but then in 2012, they incorporate Friday the 13th in their ongoing real toys line. That's R E E L. And it's just, strap a rocket to this thing. They start off with sort of simpler versions of the figures. Now, nowadays we all know that NACA releases these ultimate versions that include multiple heads and hands and accessories and masks and everything else. But in 2012, when they first got into this, what they would do oftentimes was release two versions of For instance, uh, a part three Jason. One would be sort of a standard beginning of the movie Jason, and then the other one would be from towards the end of the movie when he's got some wounds in him or a hatchet stuck in his head or whatever. And it was a way for for Naked to sort of double their sales because there were minimal deco changes required for this second figure. So they were basically double dipping on people because if you wanted to have the regular mask and the mask with the slash in the top, or if you wanted to have a regular hand and a hand that had been split in two, you had to buy both of these figures. Uh, and, and they got a lot of us for a few years with this method. Do you remember these, these coming out that were just on the clear like clamshell style card?
0: I do, and those were the first temptation of Neca figures I avoided, because if I start collecting these things, I'm going to be broke. I'm going to be sucking dick for action figures, and we don't want that, so... uh, like we we had to, to, Dan had to say, no, I'm not going to do this. A- and it's still to this day, the naked figures are my favorites. I salivate over the ads when they come out and just look at them. And, and for me, that's enough. But yeah, I do remember those. And like you said, you know, it was a bit of a double dip where they'd get to just alter the original figure a bit and re-release it. But, you know, at the time, people were buying them. And if I was collecting them at the time, I would, too. Because how could you not want a battle-damaged version of the same figure?
1: Well, and that was exactly the thing. And, and again, it was kind of going back to that first McFarlane figure after the few years of mezco's figures not really being what i wanted it was so exciting to see these screen accurate jasons in toys r us i mean it was just it was wild it was great so we got uh we got a part 3 and we got a final chapter in 2012 and then a little bit of time passed they they kind of let those saturate the market a little bit and then in 2014 we got the very first of what is actually my sentimental favorite line from NAKA, what they call their retro cloth line, which is essentially modern Migos. Uh, they're, they all share a body. It's similar to sideshows, uh, all putting just fabric soft goods on top of a, an articulated frame. So these retro cloth figures—they've released Freddy and Jason and Leatherface, and you know all the horror hits. At this point, when a company announces that they're doing horror figures, I think we all know which franchises they're going to be hitting. Like, yeah,
0: you, know, you don't even much. have
1: to look at the solicitation. You know, well, there's going to be a Michael, there's going to be a Jason, there's going to be a Freddy, there's probably going to be a Leatherface, but then there'll be like a wild card that's like. Ghostface or Norman Bates, or like the weird one that's like, how did they get, how did they settle on that one?
0: Maybe Chucky. (laughs)
1: Right, right, right. Uh, So. these retro cloth figures are are, they look great the detailing on the clothing is really nice and of course the first one that Neca releases is your generic jason uh it doesn't identify the chapter but it's that part three jason that we all know and love uh because again that's just a good starting point that's the one that the public is most familiar with you can't you can't throw moist zombie jason at, at mom and dad and necessarily expect them to appreciate it
0: yep that part three is the one that's where we first saw jason and that's the image that stuck and that you know anytime friday the 13th is parodied even in pop culture not just merchandise but like if another show or movie parodies friday the 13th it's part three jason
1: now here's an interesting thing that i didn't realize uh I I had it in my notes, but I forgot about it when we were talking about it a few minutes ago. Uh, This Ultimate Roy Burns that just came out, not the first Roy. They released a Retro Cloth Roy in 2014. I'll be damned. And it was treated as an event. The first ever Roy Burns figure on the packaging. It is labeled as Friday the 13th, Part 5, New Beginning. Uh, and Neca made a big deal out of it, and it's actually on the packaging says Imposter Jason, so they're not afraid of spoilers on this thing.
0: <laughs> well, to be fair, you know, spoilers on a fucking 20, 30-year-old <laughs> movie is probably a bit much to ask.
1: Uh But they they ran with this retro cloth thing with Friday the 13th for a little while because at the time, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger figures were kind of their bread and butter in the regular marketplace. So it's almost like they were focusing on Freddy's in the plastic arena, and then these retro cloth, they were really going for everything they could do with Jason. And this is where we saw the very first of these 8-bit Jason action figures from the NES video game.
0: Okay, that's... Uh, yeah, my, my memory is getting jogged on that now because I absolutely remember seeing that 8-bit Jason figure in the store, and it was the first of those cloth Mezco figures or the cloth Naka figures that I had seen. Uh, and that thing has really taken on a life of its own. I think that was the first thing to pay tribute to the video game that we all kind of hated. The video game sucks! It's terrible!
1: (laughs) But what a legacy it now has in toys because we've gotten this retro cloth uh, Jason that was a Toys R Us exclusive at the time with the everything is that weird indigo color except for his mask is that you know, bright sort of electric blue. Uh, but we have also gotten Funko released a retro 8-bit reaction Jason that was just a repaint of their little reaction Jason figure that again is just generic Jason. It just says Friday the 13th on the card, but we all know that's part three Jason uh, who can't hold his machete in his right hand. And it drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> because Jason is not a lefty. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, but And then we also, NAKA, f- came back around and released a plastic version of the 8-bit Jason. One version comes in a really cool window box that has graphics from the game, and the front of the box looks like the front of the actual NES package. But then later on, they released a GameStop-exclusive version of that figure and the packaging actually has a sound chip in it so when you open the front panel it plays the theme
0: from the game oh man that's that's pretty great and even I've actually, i actually
1: <laughs> i didn't think ahead i've i've got a a ton of my Jason figures are sitting right next to me and I did not think ahead to get that box down and bring it over here or else I would play that theme for you guys right now. Maybe I'll remember to do it when I go back and record the intro for this. We'll we'll see how much the uh, Ace Pumpkin Cider I've been drinking affects my memory. <laughs> uh, so, eventually NACA Oh, and then finally we have uh, another landmark in that NAKA releases their version of the Part 2 Jason. And this one is also a big deal, because the last time we saw it was in NAKA's old Cult Classics Hall of Fame line. And now they're coming back. He's got an actual soft goods burlap sack on his head. He's got fabric overalls. Uh, He's got little metal clips on the overalls. The plaid on his shirt looks great. Like, they really do put a lot into the quality of these figures and again they made a big deal out of the fact like look guys i know you've seen dozens of hockey mask jasons but check it out this one's got a bag on his head who's doing that for you like if they naka understands the customer and they know that we love our hockey mask jasons but when we see something different that's exciting
0: like hey okay, we got a pitchfork for you you want a pitchfork <laughs>
1: Now, as far as Jason figures go, if you were going to, if you're going to make the leap and go beyond your McFarlane Jason, is there a specific Jason that you would want to have?
0: There's two. There are two. Uh, The Ultimate Neca Part 2 Jason and the Ultimate Neca Roy figure. Those are the two I would want.
1: (laughs) And see, that just shows, like, sure, we love our hockey mask guy, but when there's something different, when you throw some variety into the mix, that's exciting. Like, we like that. Uh, so Jason, Jason continues to be a staple of what Neca is releasing. Funko in, enters the picture in 2014, releases a few things. Uh, 2015, we get something that's particularly notable, and that is a from PPW Toys, we get a Pop-Taters Mr. Potato Head Jason. Now, Dan, would you like to go back and, and and redo your list of which Jasons you'd like to own?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It kind of gives a whole new meaning to Bucket of parts, huh?
1: <laughs> I don't think you'll find that one in Disney Springs.
0: No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I want to see in the next Toy Story movie.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, that would be fantastic. So yeah, they did uh, this this company that I'm not familiar with in any other way. Did uh, Jason and a Freddy, of course, because if you're only going to get two horror licenses, those are the ones you're going to get. And this is, in one of those weird licensing things, this is specifically the 2009 remake Jason. So it's a Mr. Potato Head with a little stick-on hockey mask, but he's got the, the jacket and the pants of the 2009 Jason, and then a little machete.
0: Amazing.
1: <laughs> what a world we live in. Uh, so we get to... Here's where time got a little more difficult for me to nail down, because... Uh, older figures, it tends to be very easy to see, to go online and find out what year they came out. But once we get into the last few years, it became a little more difficult for me to look and easily see when things came out. And also because Nega has just been firing these things out like crazy. We've gotten in 2000, I think 2017 is when they launched the Ultimate Line with... Who other than a part three, Jason, you got to start with that guy. Fully articulated, uh, although still not to the degree that we would see in current releases that we're going to be talking about in a minute, but we finally have articulated knees. We have uh, hip ball joints that swivel, uh, shoulders swivel, and hinged elbows hinge swivel, Uh, We have still pegs on the ankles and the wrists, but they're greatly improved from what we've seen in the past. And there's even a ball joint at the waist rather than a swivel, which means rather than just turning from left to right, he actually has a degree that he can lean forward and backward as well. Uh, Just an absolutely beautiful figure. Uh, He's got the light pants on. And what Naka has started doing around this time is rather than doing a traditional action figure and, and again this is going to be our second warning of the show for the listeners warning we're about to discuss action figure crotches in greater detail than you ever would want to know are you ready for this, Dan Wilson? <laughs> I was born ready. <laughs> so you know, Wait, you've got you've basically got a few different types of, of of action figure hip joints. You've got the old school Star Wars, uh, where they just they go up and down. The legs go up and down and that's all you get. Then you've got the G.I. Joe style, where it has the rubber band with the little piece that connects the legs, and they go out and they go up and they go in different directions. Well, Naka now, in order to try and minimize the appearance of the joint at the hips, they create this rubber piece that, when it's done well, looks pretty good. When it's not great, as it's not great on this Part 3, Jason, because this is one of the earlier figures they were doing this stuff with, it kind of looks like a diaper. Because <laughs> it's, this, it's this large rubber piece that's, Kind of like a big giant sculpted pair of tighty whiteys, but it covers those hip joints up so you don't have that ugly thing. Because here's what NAKA, to me, has been trying to do for the past uh, 20 years, really, is get the perfect blend of articulation and a pleasing profile that's not broken up by joints like a G.I. Joe figure. Uh, and they're getting better and better at it every year. So we get this part three, Jason, we get part four, and then they go uh, from part four to part six, because they, uh, let me just tell you, 2017 was just not quite ready for Roy yet.
0: <laughs> they had to slide right over him for the <laughs> Yeah,
1: at the time they decided it was best to go for utility belt, Jason. Now, this represented really the first kind of major, you know, we had Baghead Jason and obviously it was a major change to go to Part 3 Jason but then in Part 6 tell us a little bit about his look in Part 6
0: well in Part 6 he, that's the first zombie Jason films. So that's the first film where he goes in the storyline or continuity that you can at least piece together is that he, he might actually be alive prior to this and he's killed by Tommy Jarvis in part four, which the fucking, uh, ultimate figure with this, where he slides down the, the fucking cleaver is just amazing. <laughs> it is the coolest thing. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it's presumed that Tommy Jarvis actually kills him, and like an idiot, in part six, Tommy Jarvis has to go back and just make sure he's really dead. So in doing so, he sticks a fucking lightning rod, uh, a pole from the graveyard fence in him, and it just so happens to come a thunderstorm, and lightning strikes it and brings Jason back to life, and he's this zombified, rotting corpse Jason, and I feel like it's really a lot uh, taken from the Fulci zombie look that's on the cover of, of that movie in the poster. Uh, he's got the maggots falling off of his face and just, like, everything is decaying and deteriorating. But he's not, like... doesn't have, like, bones showing yet. We're not quite that far. But, but he is the rotted corpse, Jason.
1: Well, and the funny thing about this Part 6, Jason, is his head is the most disgusting we've seen so far. But as far as his apparel... He's got his nice little gardening gloves, his utility belt full of tools of plunder, uh, and his, his uh, traditional green shirt, and his, his trousers changed from gray to brown to beige over the course of the movies. But, but all in all, this Jason has like the most shit going on as far as accessories go.
0: Oh yeah, he's got a million pockets, and fucking knives, and spears, and all variety of accoutrements. So
1: we've got, uh, the coolest thing about this Ultimate one from Naka, it has the removable mask, as all of their Ultimate ones have, and he is nasty looking. I mean, he's almost, he almost looks like Frank from Hellraiser a little bit, except brown, uh... And then on that utility belt I was mentioning, which just cracks me up that Jason decides he's going to put on this, this belt, uh, it has a little sheath with a removable knife. It's got a machete sheath. And then it's got, like, I don't know what this is, some kind of pouch with a bunch of electric bullshit in it. I, I don't even know. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: but, but NAKA, you know, they went in there and they, they did the did the right stuff man i mean this is the this is what he looks like on the screen this is a together like ready for any situation jason if they had locked him out of like a gate or a door or something i think he's got fucking lockpick tools in this one little pouch
0: (laughs) fucking macgyver jason
1: it is he doesn't want to kick doors in he wants to pick the locks (laughs) uh so we have our ultimate part six jason uh, and then we come back. We've got a loop back over to Mezco a little bit because an interesting thing happened a couple of years ago, where companies that had uh, franchises, licenses, whatever, really started to split things up between people that were producing their products so what you would have is one company making three and three-quarter inch jasons one company making seven inch jasons like Neca does another company making jason mad balls another company making 12 inch Jasons. so now no one company has that master license it's split up so that lots of companies can kind of do their own thing which is a very interesting situation Uh, that I like because it means there isn't going to be a deal where Neca. I mean, aside from the legal troubles that we discussed, you know, a little while ago, uh, if things had continued on as normal, Neca could have kept making these 7-inch figures forever. Meanwhile, Mezco can do what they're best at and make their 112 Jason, make their uh, wild, like, super-deformed Jason or the 18-inch uh talking jason like baby doll or the living dead doll jason that we didn't even get into the ones that they've done of those uh but i really like where we're at now where every fan can kind of pick and choose what kind of products they want
0: there's so many options so, so many. I mean, like you said, just go into Spirit Halloween. Uh, you know, there's a lot of generally licensed merchandise, but they've got the little minifigures and the Funko Pops and the fucking, I mean, like you said, pick your poison. Whatever kind of toy you're into, the stuff is out there. Now, unfortunately, with the lawsuit, we're only going to now be getting reissues of things that have been released up until this point, but um, still so much out there. Yeah, that's uh,
1: NACA ha- has said that only the things that have been shown through, I think, San Diego Comic-Con 2019 were still coming out and that that was it. They had, as you mentioned, they had hinted at Part 7 and Part 8 and an Uber Jason. Uh, those had all been sort of teased, but since NACA didn't get far enough into the production process to meet the licensing requirements for the time being until this is resolved we will not see those figures from NACA what's interesting to note is you mentioned May of 2020 as being a potential point for the resolution and that will represent the 40th anniversary of the first Friday the 13th and I'd like to think that perhaps the parties involved would recognize the financial significance of that date and maybe get their shit together
0: Oh my God, yeah, if it's still tied up, then there are millions of dollars they are leaving on the table for the the 40th anniversary.
1: Absolutely. I mean, not just figures, but Blu-ray releases, uh, theatrical events, all kinds of ways that they could make so much more money than they're ever going to get from divvying the brand up into their petty little whatever they want
0: yeah they would they've got to they just have to for for all the fans and for their own wallets as well
1: and look if batman sixty six if all the parties involved in that can get their shit together to put out a blu ray set, then anything is possible <laughs> uh so to wrap up naka we you know this brings us pretty much up to the current year where we've gotten as you mentioned the ultimate part two Jason. Uh, They actually just released an Ultimate 2009 Jason that is a huge upgrade. It's funny, when they first showed this Ultimate 2009 Jason, I saw it and I was like, well, I've got the one that they did when the movie came out. I don't know that I really need an Ultimate version. But now that I've got this thing in hand, it's fucking incredible. And you realize how inaccurate the old one really was. Uh, It's crazy to look at, like, the differences in the jacket and even the pants and the the mask and everything. This is a worthwhile upgrade. So if you're a lunatic who buys all of these like I do, uh, yes, the Ultimate 2009 is worth your time. Uh, And then the Freddy versus Jason Jason, which is probably the biggest tragedy we're going to talk about on this episode because Nightmare on Elm Street is having licensing issues as well and naka has announced the same thing that the freddy krueger figures uh only what they had announced up through san diego comic-con of this year will be released and they did not get to the production point of the freddy versus jason freddy that they needed to in order to release it so we've got jason but we don't have a fucking freddy
0: How crazy is that? Because it has been the Friday the 13th stuff that has been tied up, but it's the same thing actually behind the nightmare stuff is that the West Craven estate is now eligible by that same law to come and claim their copyright back. And so there's going to be a bit of a legal back and forth between them and new line to settle on what is the appropriate end result there. But I think that one's going to be a little bit easier than the Friday the 13th one, because it's pretty cut and dry. Wes Craven created that story on its own and partnered with Bob Shea to release Nightmare on Elm Street. So there's more clear-cut ownership there, whereas the Victor Miller and Cunningham thing, because of all of the other various moving parts, is a little more gray.
1: I also think that Wes Craven traditionally had a stronger relationship with New Line than any of the parties had with each other in Friday the 13th. Yes. So uh, hopefully we'll see that Freddy sooner than later. Uh, because out of all the figures we've discussed, I have that Jason sitting right here, and I haven't had a fucking chance to open it yet, so I can't even talk about that one.
0: <laughs> I, I looked at that one quite a bit before the episode. That's the one with the flaming sword, right? Yes. Or the flaming yes. Yeah, that's fucking awesome, because that is one of the best scenes in all of the Friday the 13th movies, is when Jason, on fire, takes out a cornfield and about 50 fucking annoying teenagers at a kanger. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh,
1: they, they, they did him justice, from what I've seen. Like I said, he isn't out of the box yet, but he looks pretty darn good. Uh, and then we got two different figures from part five, which who'd have thought we'd ever be saying that, The first one they released, I think just to kind of satisfy the folks who are Jason diehards and who don't accept Roy, they did a dream Jason from the beginning of part five that was filmed in Corey Feldman's backyard. Is that correct? That's right, right?
0: Yes, it was, because Feldman (laughs) wanted to come back for part five, but he got pulled away to shoot the Goonies, So they shot that opening scene where he's getting attacked by Jason or allegedly killed by Jason, and then old Tommy wakes up in the car from the dream. But, yes, they they shot that in Corey Feldman's backyard.
1: (laughs) So we get that Jason. So there is a legitimate Jason Voorhees from that movie. He comes with four different heads. He comes with kind of a standard-issue Jason head, Uh, the head with the worms coming out of the eye holes, uh, another head that's kind of slick and rain-covered, and actually the whole figure, I'm looking at it right now, it's very different from any of the other naked Jasons in that it almost looks varnished, because that scene, they've got a rain machine running the whole time they're shooting that scene, and this Jason actually looks wet.
0: Oh, that's really cool. It's- that is actually... Actually, I, I meant to mention that a minute ago when you asked me which ones I'd buy. I would throw that one in the list, too, because I just thought it was so fucking cool that they did something that deep of a cut. We're going to give you the dream sequence version <laughs> of the real Jason that you saw in the movie that he wasn't actually in.
1: Yeah, he's, I mean, it's it's a very, very cool and I think kind of underrated figure. Uh, and then the final head that he comes with is the literal movie poster head with the stark white mask and the bright, bright red eyes. So it's not, it's not even a look Jason ever had. It's literally straight off the movie poster, but Naked just said, fuck it, we're going to throw this in there as a cool extra.
0: That's very cool because there's there's a couple of different films in the franchise where the intro has a mask that you never see in the film, but Part Five is by far the one with the most contrast because I have no idea where the fuck they even came up with that. It's like got like this like straps on the back of it, and it looks like an actual hockey goalie mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's
1: totally different from any look ever. But how cool that they threw it in, and another cool thing that they threw in with this figure, is the, uh, the split-in-half hand from the end of Part 4. So you can stick that on your Part 4, Jason, if you want to. Oh, wow. Uh, and then the Jason Voorhees tombstone, uh, also included with this one. Uh, And then we get Ultimate Roy, which is a figure that outdoes itself by leaps and bounds, tons of accessories, a removable mask that reveals Roy's little face in that big rubber head that he's wearing, uh, which honestly doesn't even make sense because the only time you see his face is at the end of the movie when he's impaled on the strange farm implement that consists of spikes sticking straight up in the air what the fuck is that thing anyway conveniently placed farm spikes <laughs> junior go get the spike the the spiked cart out of the barn <laughs> uh so uh, it's it's just a great great figure and again it's something different because roy wears coveralls they're a little more similar to something michael myers would wear than anything jason has ever worn he has a very different look he's of course got the different mask uh and actually this would be a good opportunity to talk a little bit about the mask uh can you can you kind of elaborate on the difference in the jason masks throughout the franchise here
0: yeah absolutely well of course you have the original unblemished part three mask with just the red triangles on it that was the first one and then that mask pretty much continues through four but of course uh, it then carries the divot in it from the axe from Chrissy at the end of part three and then later in that movie he gets stabbed through the head and gets killed so there's that and then uh Part five happens, and we get the Roy mask, which differentiates itself with the blue markings, as opposed to the red markings. That's how you always know it's Roy, is that it does not have the red markings. And then uh, we get into the part six mask, which goes back more to that original style, but it's a bit wider. And uh, seemingly a little more intact. <laughs> but then by part seven, it's like rotting off of his face. And it's like even like stuck to his face in many ways. And that kind of continues uh, in, in part nine. But part eight kind of goes back to the more fully formed rounded mask. So, yeah, there, there was a lot of evolution in that thing.
1: And we've been fortunate enough at this point to see almost all of them uh, portrayed in action figure form. And that's pretty amazing. So that gets us current now on our Jason Voorhees action figures. There might be a couple that we missed here and there, Uh, and if you're listening, please do feel free to go to the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group. Uh, Let us know if there's something we missed, or just let us know what your favorite Jason Voorhees figure is. And uh, to wrap this thing up, uh, Dan, I'd like for us both... To take a look at the companies that have produced Jason Figures, uh, I want to, us to say which company we think has done the most with the license and pick one single figure that is your favorite that, that we looked at or talked about.
0: Sure. So you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so I think Neca has done the most with the license. Uh, I'm just such a fan of those Ultimate figures, or I mean, even the fucking accessory set. I mean, come on! You got a, a Camp Crystal Lake sign and the the dock base and the rock with the fucking chain on it. Uh, you can't beat that. Not to mention the figures and all of the various accessories. So yeah, I, I think Neca wins that to me, hands down. But some might disagree. Uh, and if there was just one of those figures that I could have, uh, that that was my favorite, that we talked about, it. Geez, man, that's uh, that's a tough one. But I think I'm gonna go with that Ultimate Roy. I I just am fascinated by that, and and really, uh, I, I love looking at it, and I love looking at all the accessories. Uh, the uh, the Dream Sequence one would be a close second.
1: I uh, I'm gonna agree with you. 100% that Neca has made the most of the license has given us the most satisfying range of action figures as far as what I personally collect. Uh, and man, as far as just regular articulated figures, I actually agree that Roy Burns figure is fucking phenomenal. It's exciting because it's something different, but it's also great because Neca really went balls to the wall and did everything they possibly could with that figure. But for me, if I could only have one Jason, like if, if something were to happen and heaven forbid, I only ended up with one Jason left in my collection, then I think that he's going to let me down and not make his stupid noise. Damn it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, he's not going to do it again, but that Neca 18 inch part seven, Jason It's huge. It's imposing. The sculpt is in. Oh, there. Oh, he almost went. Where'd he go? Come on, Jason. All right. Anyway, the sculpt is incredible. Uh, I love the look of that rubber shirt on top of his rotten corpse. Uh, They just really, for their first effort, because that's what you got to think about. This is the first time NACA made a Jason, and they knocked it out of the fucking park on this guy. I absolutely love this figure. Uh, And for the listeners, you know, if if you, uh, you know, all of this stuff is plentiful on eBay, on the secondary market, obviously. But if you're patient, if you set your eBay alerts, and if you go to conventions and stuff, uh, you know, any one of these figures you could get for for a trade, for a reasonable price, whatever, patience is the key. Don't go and look at any of this stuff and think, I got to fucking have that right now because you don't need it right now sit around keep an eye on this stuff wait figure out what you really really want and uh you know you you can you can pick some of these up for reasonable you know collector prices i think uh and on that note dan wilson where can we find you online and do you have any last thoughts about friday the 13th toys is there anything you'd like to see in the future
0: yeah, I'd be glad to answer that. So first you can find me online at a variety of places on Twitter. My personal account is at DragonsRejects. One Good Scare Productions, which produces the Seeking Human Victims podcast, is at OG Scare. If you want to keep up with the podcast and any of other, any of my other creative efforts, that's where to do it. Uh, we're also on Facebook at OG Scare. We have a website, ogscareproductions.com. I'm also on Instagram at Dragons Rejects. And uh, as far as my final thoughts on Friday the thirteenth toys and what I'd like to see, I just uh, growing up, where action figures and the thought of action figures for horror films was a total fantasy. This is a wonderland to have all of these toys that have been made over the years. I used to have to create uh, serial killer figures with my play-doh and shit like that you know or just like use a stand-in figure when i was a kid because they they just didn't make toys for depraved shit like they did or like, <laughs> like they do now uh, as far as what i'd like to see love to finally see that part eight jason i think just to, for the completionists there's a lot of people with ocd out there that are just dying because of that i'm sure uh And, you know, I I wouldn't mind even seeing maybe some of the comic book Jason designs. You know, there was a ton of Friday the 13th comics, all of varying degrees of quality over the years. But the best of which was probably the Freddy versus Jason versus Ash that was based off of the original script treatment by Jeff Katz yes and there were some really cool looking jasons in that and none of those have ever really been translated in any sort of merchandise or media and i would like to see that
1: that would be fucking awesome absolutely and i and honestly you know whenever because i believe a hundred percent at some point we will see naka finish out the the rest of the movies and uh at at some time i think that would be a great resource for them to hit and look with some of the crazy stuff that Neca does, whether it's doing old remakes of old Kenner, Aliens and Predators, or doing comic book Predators, I mean, they, they do that stuff, man. They hit the deep cuts. They understand what the fans want. So I think there's a reasonable chance that we could see that kind of thing sometime in the future.
0: And also, you know, victims. I, I would love to see some of the other characters from the franchise show up in action figure form. Some of the, the great victims, you know, the sleeping bag killed, the, the wheelchair on the stairs, with the machete through the head, uh, just so many great, iconic moments that could be represented by adding additional characters.
1: Yeah, I'll go ahead and say right now, whatever shifty bastard out there steals your idea for bone-crunching victims, uh, I will back that Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> Reverend Dan Wilson, thank you so much for coming back on the Needless Things podcast. This was an awesome conversation, man. I
0: appreciate it. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me.
1: I love talking to people, and I love our guests here on the Needless Things podcast. But, you know, every once in a while you get that person that you're like, man, I want to just talk to them every week about something. Uh, just about, just in listening to Seeking Human Victims, I'm always kind of like, oh, it would be really cool to talk to them about this thing or that thing or whatever. Uh, and I, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Uh, I, I appreciate uh, the Rev's insight on everything. And it's just, I can't reiterate how crazy it is that this is really only about 20 years worth of of Friday the 13th merchandise and, and sure you can look at something like Star Wars where they hit every single character out there and you've got this massive collection uh you know in the first 20 years of that franchise but this is this is a, something that's not family friendly this is kids getting cut to pieces and and uh, machetes in their faces and spears through their chests and all kinds of crazy shit so it's really wild that in this short amount of time we've got this much merchandise and of course we didn't even go beyond action figures you know look at costumes and t-shirts and memorabilia and now in the last few years you can get you know Jason's socks and stuff it's it's wild Uh, capitalism out of control brother Uh, but anyway I hope you guys enjoyed that Uh, in the future I plan to do other you know very specific figure retrospectives because it was fun uh, having the challenge of that research and tracking down all the different Jasons and I do encourage you if you feel like there's something that we overlooked or missed or you just want to mention your favorite figure please do join the needless things podcast Facebook group and uh, follow needless things on Instagram and I believe that is all I've got for you this week everybody have a spooky season enjoy yourselves and I love you guys Thank you for listening to the Needless Things podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vic's employee. Love you. Mean it. uh Uh-huh.